Welcome to Crescent City Crime, dear listeners. I'm Tracy. And I'm Brian. And we really hope that you guys kind of forgive us. We know that this episode's out a little bit late today. But, y'all, I had to work on 4th of July, and it was a very busy day for ribs. Um, yes, definitely. Very uh, busy day. Ribs, best ribs, best ribs I ever tasted from uh, the restaurant's name is Pig Out. Is that correct? It is. Yes, that, that's yes. where I work. Uh, if if uh, anybody wants to come in there and get my autograph, I'll give it to you if, if I'm working. <laughs> um, Best brisket I've ever had in my whole life, either. Either? Or ever? I mean, ever, ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, also, yeah, best ribs I've ever had in my life, best brisket I've ever had. Um, Pig Out doesn't play, people. They have a smoker in that restaurant. It's not a ghost kitchen, like other places in town. Um, and yes, I believe what, the brisket smoked for 12 hours? No, it's like smoked for six hours, but there's a six hour hold in time. Okay, okay, so that's how it comes out to 12 hours. That is how it comes out to 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. So, but my point is that I was I was just dog tired. So, we're recording this episode late, and of course, another reason why we are late today is because we uh, unfortunately have had to bid farewell to a very good person who was working with us. Uh, William, if you ever listen to this, it was uh, truly a great thing to work with you, and we know that you'll be back. It's uh, such an honor to know you, sir. You are totally awesome. You are larger than life. Uh, He's from Texas, so of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we're talking about uh, uh, Will is an amazing chef from from the Austin area. Yeah. Uh, any restaurant that has him working in the kitchen is very privileged and and fortunate to have him around for sure very much so and i mean i i I, he better subscribe to this podcast that's all i'm going to say i gave him one of our stickers and i said if you want to hear us talk all the time you just gotta subscribe here and you'll hear us every week speaking of we're on the social medias everything will be linked in the show notes make sure to tell your friends but especially tell your enemies especially your enemies we were we appreciate any ratings or reviews please make sure that you are subscribed to us on your preferred podcasting platform and of course youtube so make sure that you subscribe to us on all the things hit the likes make some comments whatever you can do to please the algorithm beast yes yes get if you if you love listening to us yes get get your friends and family to do to do so as well we uh, love to talk if, to you. If they're over the age of 18. Yeah, preferably over the age of 18. Although I, I would like to, to know if any, like, 16-year-olds are listening to us. and That would actually be pretty cool. I don't know the I don't know how many of the younger set has been listening to us. But if y'all are, hey, we're glad that you listened to us. Yes, thank, thank you. And it's... It's always it's always free to listen to us. As it, well. is, it is always free. Just takes you a little bit of time. So we do have some recommendations. We have uh, a, a restaurant recommendation. If you're ever out in the New Orleans area, go across the river to Gretna. Go eat at this place called Da Wabbit. It's D A 
W-A-B-B-I-T. It's like Kill the Wabbit, you know, like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yeah. So, really amazing uh, fried chicken that I had and uh, uh, pork. It was bacon-wrapped pork medallions. In, in, a, in an orange glaze yeah, sauce. So good. Uh, I... I was very smart in ordering it. I ordered it with uh, for my two sides. I requested uh, regular French fries and sweet potato fries, <laughs> and I dipped both of those fries in the glaze sauce yeah, as well. So it uh, it was especially especially delicious, juicy, tender pork uh, pork medallions which is it's the first time i've actually ordered that in a restaurant and i was just amazed it was tender juicy and tasty and and hey i mean <laughs> the fries were delicious in that glaze in that orange glaze sauce uh yes this this this, this is typical of new orleans cooking there's just so many excellent choices yeah, and that's where we took our friend William to for his farewell dinner. That's why we're late today. And yeah. I'm going to just keep saying how late we are, <laughs> you know, because I have nothing else better to talk about. But in fact, I do have something better to talk about today, and that is we went to go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny earlier this week. No spoilers, but I will say it was a very satisfying action-adventure movie. Yes, and I found it to be a very satisfying end to the Indiana Jones franchise, okay? You know, as there's a couple of things that, I won't say what they are, there's a couple of things that fans were looking for that did happen in the movie, yeah. okay? You might, who knows, if you're a hardcore indie fan, you just might have already figured out what I'm talking about, but you're probably not going to know how it happens in the movie. Sometimes that's that's the whole thing, you know, yeah. is you, you, want, you know something's going to happen in the movie. It's just a question of, how does it happen? When does it happen? Um, and, you know, some of the things you'll see in the movie will tell you, okay, you know, Indy's going full circle here. You know, but all ve all very pleasing, uh, especially the opening, you know. Yeah, the opening was really, really wicked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the opening is a, is a, is one of those, like, you know how the, op the opening to, um, let's see, it was the, uh, the Last Crusade, you know, harken back to the young Indiana Jones, okay? Right. Well, the opening to this harkens back to Indiana Jones as while he was, uh, you know, working with the Office of Strategic Services during World War II. Right. Okay. But that's that's all I'm going to say, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, opening, uh, was lo opening was lots of fun. I also yeah. need to add that we are not sponsored by anything to do with Lucasfilm. Or the Wabbit, these were just recommendations. Yes, just recommendations of a good restaurant, great food, and and uh, a good movie. Uh, yeah, a very a very good movie, a very a very fun movie, and that's the bottom line. The movie was fun, uh, and if you want to catch up on some Indiana Jones stuff before seeing the movie, or even after the movie, uh, like if you have access to Disney Plus, I highly recommend the Young Indiana Jones Adventures. Okay, it's about, I believe it's like 23 episodes. It was just one season, but they did, they fit a lot of episodes in, especially by today's standards. Uh, the first few episodes are Indiana Jones at, I believe, nine years old. Uh, you know, being, you know, tagged along, being dragged all over the world to explore the world because his dad is, is just, is just this, 
you know, professor who's tenured and he's invited to give lectures all over the world, okay? Uh, and then later on, Sean Patrick Flannery plays Indiana Jones as the teenager who lies about his age to get into the Belgian army <laughs> for to, you know, to fight the evils of fascism during World War One. okay? And, you know, it's amazing storytelling. <clears throat> for those of us who are Star Wars fans, there's Ian McDermott appearing in one of the later episodes, an episode called Paris that was actually written by Carrie Fisher. Uh, there's Christopher Lee in one of the World War One episodes playing yet another count, although I'm pretty sure this is before Star Wars Episode Two. Yeah, we, we, we did the math. It was definitely before Star Wars Episode Two. Yeah. And uh, like another thing, you have the actor who played uh, General Ozzel, no, Admiral Ozzel from Empire Strikes Back playing a... Uh, a not-so-competent British commander, okay, who Indiana Jones is serving under. <coughs> and let's see, you also have uh, Harrison Ford himself in, it was, uh, it could have been episode 20 or 21, 22, where uh, he played, you know, of course, he plays Indiana Jones in a 1950 sequence. Mm -hmm. Which has a backstory with the young Sean Patrick Flannery, what exactly Indiana Jones. Was the time period that the TV show takes place? Because it's young Indiana Jones. I know that most of the movies take place early nineteen hundreds. Okay. To the early twenties. To the early twenties. Okay. Early to yeah. mid twenties. Yeah. Because I know, like a lot of the, uh, is it <laughs> three of the movies that take place during the the rise of the third reich or am i misremembering okay that? um raiders of the lost ark takes place before world war ii it's during the 30s okay where you have you know a small contingent of well you, uh, of you know nazi nazi german forces in africa i'd say a small contingent because the germans weren't in africa in force until the italians were getting you know, we're getting their act ruined by the Brits. And then the Germans came in and, well, it's another discussion. Uh, and let's see here. Um, the Last Crusade is, of course, taking place. Um, During World I, War II, because there was a part where Hitler signs the book for him. I think it's actually just before. Oh, just before, it's only okay. just a few years after after Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Temple of Doom, as far as like... Um, well, I think, didn't it say like 1934 or something? Like at the very beginning? 1934 for Raiders of the Lost Ark, probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Hitler had control of Germany. At the, the Nazis controlled Germany by that point, yes. But Temple of Doom's a prequel to all that. <laughs> yeah, Temple of Doom takes place earlier than that. Uh, if I had to guess, probably just a few years early. But just this is just a guess, folks. Temple of Doom probably takes place around 1930, 1931, 32, somewhere in that neighborhood. Right. Okay. Um, so chronological order, yes, I know, starts with Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade. Um, let's see, uh, Crystal Skull. Because Crystal Skull is Cold War era, okay? Right, right. And, of course, this is not a spoiler. Dial of Destiny takes place in 1969. Right. Okay? Everybody knows this is 
this is when he's looking at retirement. Yeah. You know, because he's about, I think he's about 80 years old by this point. In real life, too, isn't he Harrison or may, Ford? Or maybe the character's like in his, 70, in his early 70s at this point. I don't think Harrison Ford's 80 yet, is he? Let's see. Oh, wait. You know what? We, we have this wonderful device. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, right, he's, he's, he's pretty close to that. Right in my hand, and I'm, I'm Googling. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure this is his, this is his last. Not, not so live on this podcast. I am Googling Harrison yeah, Ford's. This is, <coughs> this is Harrison Ford's, <coughs> this is Harrison Ford's last uh, Indiana Jones movie. I'm pretty sure of that. Also, also very likely this is. Oh, he's exactly 80 years old. And exactly. What, what did you know? His birthday, uh, as of this recording, is in about a week. Uh, July 13th. He was born in 1942. So he's 80 in a week. No, he's currently. He will be 81. 81 in a week. Yeah. Okay. And I'm also pretty sure this is John. This is John Williams' last uh, time composing a score for an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, John Williams is even older than Harrison Ford. It's hard to believe that these uh, th these iconic people who have been around for so long and have given us uh, 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 has given us and a lot of other people plenty of joy over the years. Now it's uh, they're just you know this is their exit strategy. As far as like you know John Williams John Williams goes, and keep in mind, folks, this man was his first big break was playing the piano for famous uh, composer Jerry Goldsmith, who's no longer with us, during the 1950s. And John Williams won his first Oscar in 1969 for Fifth with the Roof. And, really? Yes, and John Williams oh. holds the record for most Oscar nominations. Okay, which makes a lot of sense because he scored so many movies. Yeah, he probably can't yes. even tell you off the top of his head how many movies he scored. And there's, I tell you this too. We, you know, we all think about Superman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, E.T. E.T. But, but Jurassic Park. But when, you know, I could just be watching a certain movies and like his name will pop up, you know, music composed by John Williams. I'm like, oh, there's another one. There's another John yeah. Williams score. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like uh, movies that. Not a lot of people think of that John Williams composed for, like the movie, the World War II movie Midway. Right. And uh, he also composed for the lesser, lesser known hidden gem that Steven Spiels, Spielberg directed, uh, 1941. Right. The insane comedy that had members of the of the original SNL cast and an SCTV cast. Together on screen, including John Belushi in the unforgettable performance as as uh, Major Wild Bill Kelso. Right. Um, John Williams composed for that movie as well, which was kind of different. The way it contrasted, uh, you know, John Williams composing for the movie Midway. And you even had, you had some of the, the Japanese actors who played you know, some of the famous Japanese naval officers from the Battle of Midway reprised their roles as the crew of the submarine in the movie 1941, where their stoic nature as, you know, portraying Japanese military officers in World War II 
is turned into comedy in the movie 1941. You know, right. <clears throat> so it's an interesting contrast with, you know, the, those two movies. One being Midway being serious, 1941 being a a comedy. Okay, a crazy comedy. John Williams composing for both those movies. <laughs> Right. But you also saw a movie without me this week. Oh, I, 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 I sound so accusing, don't I? I you saw a movie I did. without you, me. You were at work, and I, I try my best to get my money's worth out of my AMC A-list membership, which I pay only you know twenty one ninety nine a month, and I can see up to three movies a week without paying admission. And that includes the movies in IMAX, Dolby, 3D, you know? <laughs> right. Just reserve on the app and walk right in, and they scan it. But uh, the movie I saw is called The Sound of Freedom, and it, it's, it's a low-budget movie that, that was very well done, and I can say this because I've worked on several movie productions. But there's also a lot of low-budget movies that are pretty darn good. Yes, yes. They just get overlooked, but they're right. pretty darn good. Yeah. So The Sound of Freedom, the best part about it is that it is a true story. It is a true crime story because it is the, you know, it is the true story of uh, of ICE agent uh, Tim Bowers, uh, part of his career, which you know for for ICE, what he is doing essentially is tracking down uh, consumers of child porn. Okay, who who are uh, you know who are also illegal immigrants? It seems okay. Um, so it's um. But essentially, I'm, try I'm trying not to give anything away here. So it it's the true story of how Special Agent Tim Ballard managed to go above and beyond the call of duty and actually recover a brother and sister who had been abducted uh, from Honduras and ended up in, in Colombia. Okay. And, you know, he recovered... Before he was before he was done, he was he recovered uh, hundreds, hundreds of kids of of Latin American kids who had been abducted and trafficked, and it, and it, it's all true, and like the yeah, and I also just before the final I'm sorry, sweet, just before the final credits roll, you see footage of the actual raids, where you know he had worked with Colombian authorities to take down these traffickers and I also want to point out that these a lot of these kids and even women who are trafficked they're not white okay they are they are you know like you said Ryan you know Latin American kids uh, black children Asian women you know it does not tend to be white white women or white kids right now of note um, special agent Tim Ballard He's very much Anglo, as 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 his family is. His wife, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. Okay, played by Mira uh, Sorvino. Yeah, but that didn't matter to him. Okay, because the way he saw it is th this is somebody's this is somebody's children. He has you know several children himself. He and his wife, and you know at one point he resigns. He resigns from ICE to continue doing what he's doing in Colombia. Also sounds yeah. like it's a very dangerous life to live. Uh, he, Tim, uh, Tim Ballard, is one of the bravest men ever. 
to live because uh, not I'm not giving anything away, but yes, you, you see this movie, The Sound of Freedom, uh, you're going to get very nervous for his character because there's times in this movie where he is risking everything. Uh, you know, he's he's already risked his career. He's risked losing his he's risked losing his family. Okay, you know because you know obviously let's say if if you wind up in a divorce because you can't be with your family, you lose your family. Okay, he risks his life for certain. Because, you know, certain Colombians are not people to be crossed, you know. So, highly <laughs> recommend it, a great true crime movie. Uh, An international true crime movie. Yes, yes. And uh, ab above everything, it, it the movie calls attention to the tremendous international crime of child trafficking which at this point, I believe it's like $150 billion a year industry. I tell you what, if you had absolutely no scruples, no, no morals whatsoever, and you need some fast cash, you do that. You make some money. But the thing is, you could not have any ethics. No. And, uh, I mean, believe it or not, there there's narco drug dealers who... Don't like child traffickers. Ironically, and uh, there's there have been instances where, you know, former narco drug dealers and even current narco drug dealers have cooperated with authorities to bring down ch child traffickers. Right. You know, child traffickers are just so bad, so despicable, that even the narcos can't stand them. Yeah, it's kind of like if a child molester goes to prison and is released in the general population. Uh, bad things tend to happen to that person. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that's considered to be just about like the most despicable, most horrible thing you could do is to harm a child. Yes. But today we are, for the episode proper, we are not talking about children. Right. Okay. But just one more time, it's called The Sound of Freedom. And we're not sponsored by the Sound of Freedom either. Always no, feel no, no, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, but today we are talking about injustice, racial inequality, and we're going back to the year 1900. Wow, so, so year 1900, there's, there's definitely some former slaves still alive. Absolutely. Definitely children of former slaves with memories. Sla I mean, slavery was within living memory. At this time, now, a lot of times I, I think that we kind of tend to forget that in today's time period there are still people who have living memory of the civil rights movement. Yes. And this is well before the civil rights movement. Okay. You know, Louisiana was a slave society before the American Civil War. There's a lot of large cotton and sugarcane plantations, and they employed hundreds of enslaved individuals. In New Orleans, the population during this time period, the year 1900, consisted of approximately 208,946 white people and 77,714 African Americans uh, a lot of them were mixed-race individuals known as Creoles of color. 
and you can imagine that racial tensions at this time were not great. How many years after was this from the Civil War? What year did the Civil War end? Well, Civil War ended in believe, 1964. Okay. 1964-65, there was still some fighting going on in 65 because it was guerrilla groups. Like in 65, you, you had some guerrilla groups who disobeyed General Robert E. Lee's orders to cease fighting. So it's about 44, 45 years after that. Yes, the 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 worst of the worst disobeyed General Robert E. Lee's orders to cease fighting. So, but racial tensions were not great at this time. In 1898, they passed a new Louisiana state constitution. And this, of course, aimed to disenfranchise black people. Of course. Of course. There were measures such as poll taxes and literacy tests. There was the implementation of Jim Crow laws. Yes, Jim Crow laws, which of course included anti-gun laws aimed at primarily disarming African Americans, making sure that African Americans did not have any ability to defend themselves with firearms and of course, uh, in addition to breaking other Jim Crow laws, uh, there, there's just no telling what would, what would happen to an African-American man if caught with a gun, with a firearm. Well, we, we might get it. We're going to actually, we'll get there. How about that? <laughs> um, these laws also, you know, they, this, this was a time when in public places, you know, there was blacks only, whites only entrances. There were separate water fountains, separate bathrooms. Yes, because of course we all we all know the the way that you interact with other cultures is just to stay stay your distance, you know, don't get to know anybody, you know. Yeah, just just stand there drooling like an idiot. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. And don't make any mistake, folks. There were Pete there were reasonable minded people just like us who existed back then. Who but defied they, all that stuff. But they also were not as publicly vocal about it as you as you have the the right to be today you right. have you had a right to be vocal back then about it if if you were white and you were male if you were white and you were male yeah yes yeah. that's exactly it yeah because I, I don't think women women had the right to vote even at that point either. no right. not yet no yeah. no no they did not so but also these laws included interstate rail, railroad cars because they were under federal law so it was also federal desegregation. Then after that, the legislature passed eight more Jim Crow laws by 1900. The historian, historian William Ivy Hare wrote, signs of increasing animosity between the races were to be seen almost daily in New Orleans during June and July of 1900. Both the police and the press received an unprecedented number of complaints. And so this was 123 years ago, okay, because we are recording this episode in July right now. It was a very different New Orleans back then. Yes, that, that was a time, and <clears throat> unfortunately this time lasted longer than it should. Yeah, that was a time when you could contact for police, police for assistance if a, if a black man was walking on your street. Just walking on your street. 
and New Orleans newspapers also played a role in fanning the flames of racial tensions. Journalists like Henry J. Hearsay, prop <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hearsay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he propagated racist views, which contributed to the growing animosity. He was a former major in the Confederate Army, and he said in one article that if Negroes listen to the screeds of agitators in the North, the result will be a race war, and race war means extermination. Then the Negro problem of Louisiana at least will be solved, and that by extermination. Now, what does that sound like to you, Brian? That sounds like something that would start to take hold in Germany uh, about 30 years later. About 30 years later? Yes. You remember how we've talked before about, you know, Hitler got some of his ideas from us. This is where he got his ideas from. Yeah, some of uh, Hitler admired, uh, you see, prior to, to America entering the war, Hitler had great admiration for America, and it wasn't even for the right reasons at all. It was because he admired the way that America disposed of Native Americans and took the lands, and he also admired uh, he admired the uh, the enslavement of black people of, of Africans, and you know fueling the uh, the early industrialization that took place in the South, and of course he admired the rabid industrialization that was taking place in northern parts of America. Mm. Okay, uh, whereas you know post uh, actually well well during the period of slavery and then post slavery, you had working class people of a variety of races up north. Yeah. Being being exploited, taken advantage of, and worked to death in many instances, in factories, including children, because there were no child labor laws. No, there were not. Yeah. So suffice it to say, north or south, if you were enslaved, or if you were a working class person barely getting by, life was literally hell for you mm. in the north and the south, especially up north in the factories. And so these early 1900s, yes, this rabid industrialization that has little to no, little to no regulation, and what little regulation there is, uh, you know, you have corruption, you have bribery going on. Well, you know what with they these say, federal inspectors, you know, that safety regulations are written in blood. Exactly. People had to yeah. die to get those regulations in place. Well, that is correct. That's correct. Right. Uh, recommended reading along those lines. The book is called The Jungle. Upton Sinclair. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's Did also it, it, it's also a, a pretty gnarly book. I mean, you uh, will never look at sausage the same way again. I'm just going to say or, that. Or, or, or hot dogs. Or yes. hot dogs, yeah. <laughs> Remember, we, we read the book. We discussed it in 10th in grade history class. Yes, I joked. Say, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. <laughs> oh, Brian. No, bad. <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, yeah, people ended up in a hot dog vat sometimes back then. <laughs> That's not a joke. It, it, it actually happens. No, it's not a joke. It's just horrible to, kind of horrifying to think about. But Yes, it is. Thankfully, we don't have to eat hot dogs these days with the concern of any portion of a human being being in them. But this is the time period that all this was taking place in. You know, this is the stage 
in which the, the following events unfolded. Robert Charles was a self-educated and articulate activist. He arrived in New Orleans from Mississippi and he believed in self-defense for the African-American community and advocated for African-Americans to move to Liberia to escape racial discrimination. Which, you know, at the time, you know, that this was what he believed to be best. That you just get out of America if you can. Now, now Liberia was founded by former slaves who left the United States. Is that correct? I am not sure. I think I think so. All right. Well, uh, if anybody hears this, and if we're wrong, you just let us know. Because, you know, one thing the Internet never has a problem with is letting people know when they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so on the night of July the 23rd, 1900, a confrontation occurred when three white police officers, Sergeant Jules Oakwin, August Mora, and Joseph Cantrell, which are all three last names that we're very familiar with here in New Orleans. Also pronounced Oakwin. Oh, I only hear Oakwin. Yeah, I knew Lieutenant Oakwin in the New Orleans Police Department. That's how he pronounced his name. Well, yeah. they investigated reports of two suspicious-looking Negroes sitting on a porch in a predominantly white neighborhood. How dare they do that? Yes, how terrible. The men were Robert Charles and his roommate, Leonard Pierce. The situation quickly escalated. Uh, Robert Charles did have a gun, as a matter of fact. There was an exchange of gunfire, and Robert Charles was hit, and he fled and he left behind a trail of blood. Of course, word of this spread like wildfire. Okay, all throughout the city, which made people upset, I mean, even more upset on both sides. So the following day, just the white crowds were gathering. They were demanding the lynching of Robert Charles. Yes. How dare he carry a piss, a, a, a handgun for self-defense? Only white men should carry a handgun for self-defense, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Robert Charles, I'm sorry, so the following day they were advocating for the lynching of Robert Charles, which, you know, this was at a time when lynching was very commonplace. It happened to a lot of people. Yes, and it the, happened people, to a lot of people. the people who committed the lynchings, what their feeble minds could not understand is that if lynching anybody is allowed, okay, then that means anybody can be lynched. Right. Meaning, theoretically, even if you are white and you get into a disagreement with the wrong person and, you know, their people, you could you could be lynched too. Okay? Just keep in mind, African Americans were not the only people lynched in America. But they were the majority. Yeah, yes, yes. But anyone... Who, who, who pissed off the wrong person, could be lynched for anything. You didn't have to be guilty of any crime. All you had to do was, was, exist. was exist and make the wrong person angry. And then if that person was a mean and hate, hateful, sadistic, cruel person with friends willing to back them up, okay, you, just, you could be lynched and you didn't have to do anything. 
You didn't have to commit a crime. In fact, the odds are if you were lynched back then, you probably didn't commit a crime. You're probably all, right. All you had, the people just had to think you did. Okay? So, yeah. And, and yeah, is... Lynching can't be allowed because if, if lynching is allowed, then anybody can get lynched. No due process. And, and this is the mentality that we're still fighting against today. Yeah, there's still people today who want to lynch people. But in the aftermath of this shooting, riots happened all throughout the city. The, there were plenty of deaths and injuries, both African Americans and white people. Robert Charles took refuge in a house, and he was, he was spotted going into this house. Police surrounded, police surrounded him, and he began to engage in a standoff with them. The situation was dire. Uh, the, the mayor called upon a state militia, and they deployed Gatling guns on this house. Oh, God. Okay. Now, now, you see, now, let's keep in mind, that was the state militia back then was uh, citizens who were simply available to assist law enforcement during a time of emergency, okay? Uh, the militia's never been the National Guard or the Air National Guard, ever, okay? Just, just, to, briefly, just to briefly explain that National Guard is part of the United States Army and the Air National Guard is part of the United States Air Force. They are not state militias. Right. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. Uh, at this, so the, the situation grew so desperate that a fire captain and other volunteers snuck into the first floor of the house where Robert Charles was, and they ignited the mattress. The smoke from the mattress forced Robert Charles out of the house, and as he tried to escape, he was shot by Charles A. Noretz. Uh, he was a medical student and a member of the special police. And they just continued to shoot him over and over again. And it was at this point when they dragged his body outside. So they probably shot him even after he went down. They did. This was very, look, it was very cruel what they kept, what they did to him. Because after he was shot, they dragged his body outside for the mob. And the mob just beat his body. People in that mob, of course, who have been lied to. About about what happened, and also keep in mind, it, it's when you're law when you're law enforcement and you're shooting someone, you're shooting to stop them from doing what they're doing, not shooting to kill them. So that's especially bad if law enforcement. Even then, yes, law enforcement shoots someone after they go down. That's not supposed to happen. Yes. The aftermath of the Robert Charles riots were devastating. African-American residents faced renewed attacks and white mobs targeted black communities. The events received national attention and had lasting consequences. And this wound up leading to increased racial segregation. So, the, so, so, none, of, so none of this helped anything. Ultimately, it just served to make things worse for a long time. Okay, a long time. Uh, police actually had difficulty taking Robert Charles's body to the morgue uh, 
because they kept trying to mutilate his, or mobs tried, kept trying to mutilate his corpse. Yeah, because a bunch of these idiots believed the lies they were told. And mobs also killed several African-American citizens. They burned down the Tommy LaFon schoolhouse, which was known as the best Negro schoolhouse in Louisiana. And by the, by the next morning, the special police and state militia had bought the city under control. Several days later, Louis Forstall murdered a man named Fred Clark. And he murdered him because Fred Clark was the person who tipped the police off to where Robert Charles was. Okay. So this was a, a vengeance killing. You know, people said people were very angry. It was uh, trying to be eye for an eye. And ultimately, more people died because of that. In, in total, Robert Charles killed seven people over the course of the week. Four of them were policemen. The exact number of black casualties at the hands of white mobs is unknown. But most sources report more than a dozen black people killed and over 50 wounded. These events, of course, as I mentioned earlier, they received national coverage and they had ramifications beyond the state of Louisiana. Lillian Jewett was a young white member of the Anti-Lynching League. And it said lynching was so bad they had to have an Anti-Lynching League. So just, just sit with that for a second. Yeah. It was so bad that you had to have a, a, a group to advocate against it. Yeah, the fair-minded people of the Sarin, yes. But Lillian Jewett was fundraising at a Boston, Massachusetts meeting just hours after Robert Charles's death to raise money for the injured in New Orleans. The Louisiana Times-Picayune, who was just intent upon fanning these flames, uh, reported this as insane ravings at a Boston meeting. Huh. Okay. Huh. And a group of wealthy, of wealthy young white men from New Orleans had formed the Green Turtles the previous year. This group required an oath of allegiance to white supremacy. And because of this group's threats on Lillian Jewett's life, uh, she would not travel further south than Richmond, Virginia. Okay, so this, you know, when, when you hear about people making death threats today to politicians or news anchors or actresses or you know even recently i was reading about how a a, a weatherman has had to uh, change jobs because people were threatening him because he was talking about climate change okay all that it, it's just ridiculous i do i mean look i really it, it really is annoying at best to hear about these things but if you really really think about it okay there's people out there who have nothing better to do with their time than to just sit there and go you know what i'm going to email this person a death threat yes yes let's let's just uh spend our time engaging in culture wars yeah okay um as you can see uh, this you know that this was a cult this was an earlier culture war that took place in our country Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, back then, probably because, of course, there was there wasn't any means of mass communications like social media. Okay, 
uh, a lot of the, the, the back and forth that goes on on social media today was literally taking place on the streets back then. And of course, and unfortunately, much of it turned into fighting words. Yes. So, you know, it's a time when, you know, prior to all that mass communication technology, there was a lot, there were a lot more riots. That, that's why there were a lot more riots early on in our history. Right. Yes. Than, than, to, than today. Because, although, yeah, uh, yeah, we, you know, we've had a few in recent memory, but riots way back when were a lot more numerous because of this you know communication back then was either through uh you know occasional use of a telephone telegram newspapers at some point radio okay and but but primarily in person okay right um just like the you know all all the fights that took place and the rioting that took place in in 19, early 1920s Germany mm-hmm. you know these fights between you know loyalists to the German state fascists and communists okay uh these people were encountering each other in German beer halls and arguing and then it would spill into the streets and people would get beaten up knifed bludgeoned shot Right. It, it was horrible. And adding fuel to the fire, um, you know, Nazi SA brown shirts roll up in a Mercedes Benz truck, jump out the truck with billy clubs, and start beating the tar out of anyone who is who who isn't a uh, who isn't a fascist. I just want to point out you that know, that what so, you just said about the brown shirts just rolling up and beating people with billy clubs. Yeah. Uh, that's not too far off from getting a mob of your buddies to go lynch somebody. Right, right. It, it, it's it's the same thing. Yes, and both mm-hmm. ultimately had the same result. Yeah, somebody dies at the end, mm-hmm. and that's not a good thing. Bloodshed, hatred, a desire for revenge. Now, now in 1908, the state legislature passed a law that prohibited interracial marriage or domestic partnerships. Now, I, it, it does need to be pointed out that these laws were almost never enforced in cases of white men having relations with black women. Okay, but if it was the other way around, oh, no, 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 black men could not be with white women, but it was perfectly okay for a white man to do whatever he wanted with a black woman. Oh, of course, okay. because, you know, of course, he's an upstanding, upstanding, you know, white male... You know, yeah, but it's also you know when when you know to bring this up, it's also about saying that people don't have agency, like they don't have the ability to choose who they can marry. Okay, so you're the only one who really has any agency here is white men, when really everybody has agency. Yeah. Okay. Although that's not white men as long as they're not Irish. I believe, yeah. Well, may, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> I mean, it's di- 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 different discussion, yeah. Yeah, it is a different discussion, yeah. it is. And those laws in particular, though, they were influenced by the European ideas on eugenics. So, you see, it, it really wasn't so different. Those views were not really so different after all. You know, one influenced the other, and vice versa. 
You know, I yeah. actually do spend quite a bit of time about how Hitler got a lot of his ideas from how America treated black people. Right, right. Okay? See, and then there's another thing that Hitler recognized about America prior to the 1930s was that essentially, you know, the European, the descendants of European Anglos, Anglo-Saxon types, were right. ruling America, were ruling over the, uh, you know, ruling over the, well, you know, what was left of the Native Americans and the, quote, Negro population. Okay, so he admired how America had, you know, engaged in, in, in the way, you know, the way America had, had committed, you know, genocide here and there. But what he also admired about America was the manifest destiny. Okay, America dominating parts of South Central America and the Caribbean. Right. You know, uh, sugar companies uh, dominating the Caribbean. Yes. And, in, and uh, even using, you know, the United States Marine Corps to enforce this, as touched upon by retired Marine, you know, retired Commandant of the Marine Corps, Schmedley Butler, who wrote a tell-all book after he retired and even touched upon this in his retirement speech because at that point he was retiring and he could talk candidly about some of the stuff he was doing. Right. You know. Um, and we are going to, and, and, and I'm just going to circle back here to Dial of Destiny because my big takeaway from that movie is that uh, you, you, you cannot live in the past. Yeah, when you see the movie, you'll understand what we're you, talking yeah, about. Yeah, you'll understand what, what I mean when, I, when, when you do see the movie, that you cannot live in the past. You need to go forward. You need to get rid of these ideas that you're somehow better than another person because, you know, you're white or you're straight or, or whatever it is. Now, because we're all people in this world, we all are supposed to share the planet. Okay, sharing is something, is something you should have learned in kindergarten. If you haven't learned it in kindergarten, you might never learn it. Yes. Okay. And, you know, I just felt like it was important to talk about this today because we are living in a time right now where we are, I mean, it is a very slippery slope right now with, you know, certain people who have been elected, certain people who continue to be elected. You know, elections are always important. Make sure that you vote in every one of them. Even if it's just like one, one or two people, one or two positions on the ballot, if it's a judge. Yeah, even if you court, just vote for a is. judge. You know, take a few minutes to do an internet search of the candidates running for judge. And, you know, if you're one of those people who don't appreciate uh, low bails being set as a favor to bail bondsmen for, you know, violent, certain violent offenders who seem to be in and out of jail can't stay out of trouble, can't stop victimizing people. And you see one of the, you see the, the, one of these people running for judge and you don't want to vote for this person. Well, that's how you, you do an internet search. That's how you find out. And you go ahead and vote against that judge because those are the types of judges that literally get people killed. 
Yes, exactly. And, that, that is what happened. And this, this is the this kind of thing's been happening over and over in New Orleans. People dying because certain because certain offenders are let out on the street pre-trial or, or permitted bail. Oh, well, for violent crimes. For right. violent crimes, right? Yes. Like if it's violent something, crimes. you know, not violent, and there and non-violent crimes do exist. That's the majority of offenders are non-violent offenders. Bail is just fine for those people. But violent offenders, no, there shouldn't. Violent offenders should not be should not be given bail. Although that's you know, granted bail, that's that's a separate discussion. But the tendency is when you grant bail to a violent offender, while they're on out on bail awaiting trial, they rob other people, they kill people. Mm. It's happened time and time it, again, it ha and it happens not just in New Orleans either. Right. This is everywhere where you have people in power that that can be corrupt or they can be bought off you know kind of like our uh, Supreme Court right now the Supreme Court supposed to be the law of the land has recently uh, decided to just screw over a lot of people in, on different levels so not 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 a good job that you were doing there Supreme Court and you know all this stuff that's been coming out about Justice Clarence Thomas and these uh, how he's been, how he's received, quote, rewards from donors and whatnot. It's like, you know, it, it's quite obvious to me what you're doing, guys. Like, you're very transparent. You're not clever. You're not sneaky. We all see you. So pull up your pants and stop taking bribes because that's what you're actually doing even though it's not technically a bribe it is actually in fact a bribe yeah right? so so yeah it, it frightens us and it should frighten you Everybody. as a listener that uh fascism's on the rise again yeah and do not and this little you know this piece of history that we shared with you today i mean i don't want that to happen again now, I don't want people to just be beaten in the street just because. I don't want people dragged out of their beds to be lynched just because somebody else feels like it. You know, or, or even the equivalent of that. Whatever it is. Just, you know, so this is why it's always important to vote. It's important to volunteer. It's important to get to know your neighbors. It's, it's just important. It's important to remember that we're all human beings sharing this planet. Yes, it's important to... And we all have a right to be here. Yeah, it's important to engage different cultures. Mm -hmm. You see, segregation created all that violence. It did. Okay, because being separated from different cultures creates fear. And fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. And I don't think we'll ever get out of an episode without a Star Wars reference. Yeah, I, doub I doubt it myself. Um, yes, it's important to remember in the absence of communication, there is confrontation. Right. Like, like if you if you go through life just looking at your neighbors as you're, you know, doing stuff outside, not talking to them, not even waving to them, just looking at them, and then they do the same. That that that's when your head starts to play tricks on you. To like, that's when you start to go squirrely. That's when you start to go squirrely. You start to be thinking, well, what is that person thinking? They're just looking at me. Um, oh, wait, something happened. Was it them? Did they do it? 
Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My trash can was flattened and it's in the street. It was run over by some big truck. Was it them? They never talked to me. You know, <laughs> so it, it breeds paranoia. It does. Exactly that. So, you know, don't be paranoid. Yeah, don't don't be don't be shy with your neighbors. Talk to your neighbors. Yeah. Engage your neighbors. You Eat. don't have to be best friends, but you do have to live next door to each other. Yes. And you'll feel better. You will feel much better if you get to know your neighbors better. You will. You will. Knowledge is power. Uh, you get to know somebody even just a little bit. You're not going to be as afraid of them as you might be. Oh, and guys, everybody, y'all, read, read a book. Instead of maybe, you know, emailing a, a, a news, uh, I'm sorry, uh, emailing a weatherman to yell at him about climate change, why don't you read a book instead? Yeah. If you can read Twitter, you can read books. Yeah, so true. Okay. So everybody, until then, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even say what we're doing next week. Y'all, next week I have a something that's close to a hometown murder for me. I Something I did not even hear about until recently, even though this happened quite a few years ago. Uh, my... Our area had its very own Black Widow. Wow. Wow, yes. So next week we're going to be talking about the Black Widow and Blue Gates. Mm. Okay, yeah. It's going to be interesting. So everybody, join us next week. And until then, be safe, be kind. Remember that we're all human beings. Don't let fascism into your life and don't park next to vans. And if it's dark, it's dangerous and you don't feel it's safe. Don't be there in the first place, okay? And if you are being questioned by law enforcement and you are not the victim or the witness to a crime, lawyer up and drive carefully. Don't get yourself pulled over in the first place. And stop at red lights. <laughs>